G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. You've got to get to a point in your life where you're stripped of everything else you depend on other than God. Hello and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today we'll continue It Must Fall Down. Pastor Jeff brought this message to Highway Church in Queensland on a recent visit and he's encouraging us to bring our battles and worries to the feet of God. Remembering not to underestimate the power of God over those things that are counter to His will. He's saying, I can create by a word. I can destroy by a word. I can speak anything into your life by one word. I can kill anything in your life by one word. I just love that. Today with Jeff Vines and the remainder of his message, It Must Fall Down. I wanted to to bring a message this week of encouragement. Let's just get right down to it. What's the message? There's a new book that I've been reading because my my 22-year-old son has forced me. It's his favorite book outside of the Bible. It's called Star Wars and Philosophy. And basically, I'm two-thirds of the way through. It contrasts the intricacies of evil and good. So it contrasts Yoda and Palpatine, the ultimate leader of the dark world. And it shows you time and again how both evil and good, both leaders are calm and cool and deliberate and powerful. There is a difference. One is selfless. The other is self-serving. The other is meek and humble. The other is arrogant and prideful. And my favorite scene in all the Star Wars movies comes near the end of Attack of the Clones when Yoda has been walking with a cane the whole movie. And if you've been watching, you're wondering, man, Yoda looks sick. Is he going to make it to the end of the movie? And he's walking around, and he's he's doing this kind of thing like, uh, speaks cleverly, he does. No, Lost a planet, Master Obi-Wan has. How embarrassing. Clear your minds must be if you discover the real villains behind this plot. So he's doing this whole thing, the, the, the confusion between subject verbs and its placement in the sentence. He, he keeps doing what only Yoda can do. And then when he's at his weakest point, there's the ultimate confrontation between Yoda, the Jedi warrior, and Count Dooku, Palpatine's evil apprentice. And Dooku says, you've interfered, Yoda, for the last time in our affairs. And then they both demonstrate their powers and they appear to be equally strong. And then they realize the only way they're going to solve this confrontation is through lightsabers. Of course they are in Star Wars. And do you remember what happens in the movie theater? Yoda drops the cane. He comes alive. He's jumping on the ceiling and the walls. He's doing midair 360s, backflips, half and full pikes to perfect landings. And everybody in the theater, you want, they're just laughing. They're horse laughing. And you wonder if somebody's whispering, misunderstood his calmness we have. (laughs) In the garden, when they come to arrest Jesus, he gives them one final display of his identity before he submits to their chains. And he does it by simply turning 
and the name of God. And I don't know what happened. I wasn't there. I can't tell you exactly. But whatever it was caused all of these well-trained warriors of great strength and no humility to cower, to, to fall and disintegrate. It's like Jesus is saying, one word from me and everything falls. I just love that. He's saying, I can create by a word. I can destroy by a word. I can speak anything into your life by one word. I can kill anything in your life by one word. I'm the one who said, let there be light and light was. I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I say when things began, I say when they end. And it's so good to know that in my life, no matter what's going on, all he has to do is turn and say and speak a word, I am. And he's reminding these people in the garden, go ahead, you can take me. I'm going to let you bind me. But just make sure you know something. I'm going to die for you so that you will never have to. We've gone too far. This is the point. We've gone too far. I spend my entire life trying to defend God. I don't think he needs me to defend him. Sometimes I forget that I don't have to go overboard in explaining why an all-powerful, all-loving God would allow pain and even in suffering. Listen, those are great things to talk about, but I've never really brought anybody to Christ through an apologetic argument. I have broken down barriers so that I could bring Christ in. But the real Jesus, the real God, reminds you and me, don't think that you have to make God's mind up for him. Your job is to go and beg and plead and ask God to speak a word so that whatever it is in your life that's causing death and disintegration will cower, fall, and die. We're people of the cross. I know that. So we know that it is possible to be in the worst possible place of your life and yet be centered in the will of God at the same time. But that's the background. That's the foundation upon which we do everything. It's there. It's always in the back of our minds. But our first inclination is to go to God and believe he can speak a word and whatever it is will have to fall, cower, and die. Sometimes when I'm speaking in some of our universities and there's somebody that I've met that I was at Arizona State a couple of years back and somebody had just enough Bible knowledge to be dangerous. And he brought this passage to me out of Mark 6. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except his own town. Among his relatives and in his own house, he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. So this guy says, see, Jesus can't, he can't be God because he tried to do something here and failed. Okay, hold on a second. Robert Alter is a fantastic Hebrew Greek scholar. He dissects this verse for us and says, we've misunderstood it for a long time. Because in the text, the message is, that there were many people who could have been healed that were not healed because they never came to the healing ceremony. It's not that people came and he said, oh, I'm going to try this. Ugh, I can't do it. Sorry. Because it does say that there were people who came and he laid his hands on a few sick people, the ones who showed up, and that he healed them. What's that tell me? That tells me that in the course of your life, there are going to be many times that they come for you. Now, I don't know who they are. Maybe it's the evil one. Maybe it's the conversation that the evil one had with God and God gave him some kind of allowance to come in and impact Job. I don't know exactly how it works. No one does. But I can tell you this. I believe there are times in my life when somebody shows up and they want to do damage. 
And the spirit of God that lives in me says, wait, who are you looking for? And Jesus listens and says, well, I'm looking for Jeff Vines. And here's what he says. Well, nobody comes into this house because I live into this house. This is my house. And nobody comes in here without permission. Jesus is not like the Queenslanders in the state of origin. You don't come into his house and lay waste. Don't misunderstand God's permission, though, for weakness. Look, look, when anything or anyone who opposes the will of Jesus meets Jesus, that person or that thing falls down and begins to disintegrate. Do you hear me? See, you have no idea how many times he stopped them at the door of your life. You only know the ones he's allowed through the gate. You don't know how many times he said, whoa, uh uh-uh, I don't think so. Not in my house. You don't know how many times he's come after Pastor Barber or Pastor Ann and said, I'm going to wreak some havoc in your family. I'm going to wreak some havoc in your life. And the spirit met him at the door and said, no, not in this house. You're not. Now, Byron and Ann don't have a pain-free life. No one does. That's where it comes in that we are people of the cross and we realize that God can bring beauty, pattern, and design out of any chaos of our life, but that's the background. We live as though we are above circumstances. We live knowing we've got a God who can speak a word and it's all done and it will cower and die. This is Today with Jeff Vines and his message, It Must Fall Down, was shared with the congregation at Highway Church in Queensland. It's a powerful reminder of God's power over those things in our lives that are counted to his will for us. Let's continue. This whole chapter in Matthew 8, in the narratives that you see placed together, and I know we didn't have verses and chapter headings in the original text. I got that. But the narratives that are put together, I'm assuming are put together in a a, a type of congruency that's supposed to communicate a message. Have you ever noticed that in Matthew 8, you've got the story of the centurion and he says, Lord, I don't need to have you come to my house. Just say the word. Jesus speaks the word. I don't know what the word was. Maybe it was I am. And his servant was healed. And then you go down a few verses and you got this demon possessed guy. And Jesus speaks a word to him and he's healed to fulfill the prophet Isaiah. He took our infirmities and bore our diseases. What was the word? I don't know. Maybe it was I am. Then you go on and the disciples are out on the sea. They're in the boat. Jesus comes out, rebukes the winds of the waves. Maybe he said, even to the wind and the waves. Maybe he said, I am. And they said, wow, God has spoken. And they cease, they disintegrate, they fall back, they die. Then he meets some demon possessed men again. And the demons speak to Jesus. And the the demons say, let us go into the pigs. And Jesus basically says, okay, if you want to go into the pigs, you can, but you're still going to fall down, cower and die because they're going to run off the cliff. And then there's one more passage stuck in the middle of all that. And usually we are taught when you find a passage stuck in the middle of something that is congruent, something that is harmonized, you're looking for a message. And here's the passage stuck in the middle of all that. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. In other words, Jesus says, okay, you can follow me. Don't bring a suitcase. Don't bring anything. I'm your provision. Lay it all at my feet. Then you can follow me. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first, let me go and bury my father. This is the first century uh, colloquialism. Really, it it means uh, let me go first and work off. Uh, my job for my father. Let me wait till he dies, get my inheritance. And then I'll have a lot of cash and then I'll come follow you. And Jesus says, no, no, you leave all that behind now. Leave it all at my feet. Now, what's the point out of all of this? Jesus speaks a word. And then there's this one passage stuck in the middle. You know what the word is? You cannot hold Jesus responsible for anything you don't give him. 
you got to give it to him. You can't, it can't be half you, half him. You got to get to a point in your life where you're stripped of everything else you depend on other than God. And if you do, it will fall back, cower, and die. Right now, we're in a season in our church. Look, folks, I've prayed for a lot of people who died because I'm not God. But I've also prayed for people like my friend Anthony McMahon, who was diagnosed with stage four cancer, who went to the doctor a few weeks ago and the doctor said, can't explain it, it's gone. My friend Chris Wade, who said, this doesn't look good. You've got a huge spot on your liver. I think we're in trouble here. We went back, we prayed for him. We went back and our said, I can't explain it. It's not there. I've prayed for people who've been healed. I've prayed for people who weren't healed. But I will always pray. And I will always go knowing that if anything opposes the will of God, if I bring it and lay it at his feet, it's got to cower, fall back, and die. So what is it in your life, man? Where did you give up? Where did you stop? Maybe you got an addiction that's destroying you. Bring it completely to Jesus. Hold on to no part of it. Let him meet the master. Don't doubt his power. Don't underestimate his authority. Don't misunderstand his meekness for weakness. Give it all to him and watch it cower and die. Some of you, some of you have got bitterness in your life. You, somebody you haven't been able to forgive. And you, you, let's be honest, it's destroying you. And the reason is because you cannot forgive on your own. You can't. The wound is too deep. It's too harsh, too long. Bring it completely to Jesus. Hold no part of it on. Give it all up. Let it, meet, let it meet the master. Don't doubt his power. Don't underestimate his authority. Give it to him. Watch it cower and die. Some of you, your marriage is falling apart. You see no hope for it. You don't see how things can be reconciled because too many damages, too many hurts, too many differences. If you would just bring it completely to Jesus and hold on to no part of it, and let it meet the master. And don't doubt his power. And don't underestimate his authority. And seek the wisdom of godly counselors, yes. Because God uses us in service and healing of each other. But give it all to Jesus and watch it cower and die. Some of you have a son or a daughter that's gone astray. And you're saying, Pastor Jeff, too late. The drugs and destructive habits have caused disintegration in their lives. And I'm saying to you, don't give up. Approach the throne of grace with a great boldness. Lay it all before, you know, just give it all. What, how, how does that work? Well, it means that you stop trying to understand everything and how it got here. You just accept this is where we are now. Stop beating yourself up. I should have done this. I should have done that. I should have, did that. I should have done that. You got to knock it off, man. As sooner or later, you got to realize, okay, I have made mistakes. I'm going to lay it all at the feet of Jesus, trusting that it will disintegrate, cower, and die. And for those of you who think, man, I want to do this, but I've got too much sin in my life. And when I repent of all of it and get my life pure and righteous, then God will help me. You will never be helped because you will never be pure and righteous. You're always going to have something you're dealing with. I mean, my goodness, if we kept all the sinners out of church, would anybody be here today? That's the beauty of grace. God pours down his power on the unworthy. That's his forte. Now, here's what some of you say, and this is the end. You say, but Jeff, I know others who have prayed and they've laid it at Christ's feet. They brought their issues to Jesus and the thing did not cower and die. What about that? It's that answer again. We are people of the cross. We believe that God is smarter. If he has all power, he has all wisdom too. So we trust him 
to allow certain chaoses into our lives without having to understand it all. We trust him to bring beauty, pattern, and design into it. When I see somebody walk away from the church and walk away from Christ because they don't get something, I'm going to tell you what I think. I know life is tough. I know that we're all carrying burdens, but the first thing that goes to me, you were just a seller of the faith. You were just in as long as he gave you what you wanted. But when he required something from you, you walked away. That is not a fully devoted disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm just saying that we've gone too far. I have, and I'm trying to get my way back to the center. I used to pray for a person and I would say, I know this is happening in your life, but I want you to know God won't take it from you, but he'll walk you through it. Wait a minute. Who am I to say that God won't take it from them? I'm just as guilty as the first guy. I'm determining for God what he's going to do. The scripture tells me I come in boldness. I just think there's something to that. We get on our knees and we say, God, it's none of us. It's all you. And you can do amazing things. God says, wow, you really get this, don't you? Boom. Lay it before God. Whatever it is, watch it fall back, cower and die. A good friend of mine, John Ortberg, who's a pastor in um, San Francisco, just outside of San Francisco, in Silicon Valley. Uh, he tells a story of one time he went to uh, downtown LA late after Sunday night when he would, had spoken in Los Angeles. And he stayed a little too late. It was 2 a.m. and he was in the, really the wrong side of town. And he and his buddies walked out of the restaurant and uh, his buddies had been drinking. He had not, but his buddies had. And he walked out in the middle of the street and he turned to his left and he saw two guys, two rather large guys beating up on this one guy. And basically... Ortberg said, I was afraid this guy was going to lose his life. I'm a pastor. I can't just stand there and do nothing, but I'm also human. Those guys were big. And if they turn their attention on to me, I may be the one dying. And it's late at night. It's dark outside, but I just got a sense of bravery. And I looked over and I said, Hey, you two guys, knock it off. Can you hear a pastor? Stop that. You know, knock it off. And he said, I looked at them and the look in their eyes was one of fear. And they started backing up. Backing up from me, a 5'8", 175 soaking wet pastor, from two big guys who are probably 6'5", 6'6", 250, 260. And then I got this wave of courage when I saw them backing away. And I said, and don't you two come back here ever again. And he said, I'm so proud of myself. I, I turned to walk with my head back and I bumped in to Mongo, the 6'8", 290 pound bouncer of the club. They weren't running from me. They were running from him. Now, if I've got that much courage with a big man, how much courage am I going to have with a big God who's always with me? Who's always with me? Man, whatever it is, please give it to, give it to him. That's my message to you. Give it to him. Watch it disintegrate cower and die. If it doesn't die or disintegrate or cower on its own, let me tell you what will disintegrate, cower and die. Your anxiety and fear over it because you've given it to him. Father, I want to thank you for your love for us. Thank you for a powerful passage that reminds us of the power of God. Thank you for Highway Church. Thank you for Byron and Ann and their dear friendship. Thank you for Vision Radio and what it's doing all across this land and discipleship and spiritual formation. And I pray that today we would have been encouraged with a little nugget of your word, so much truth, but just a little nugget of your word that reminds us you are large and in charge. And when we give whatever it is that's ailing us in opposition to your will, 
that it will indeed fall back, cower, and die. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. That's the end of Pastor Jeff's message, It Must Fall Down. Please join us next time to hear another message from Pastor Jeff's visit to Highway Church in Queensland. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.